As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see. Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner, and tonight I'm here with certain members of our family. Now, we're not all here. We've invited Sister Paulina Renner to join us, and Paulina is the beautiful wife of Paul Renner, and together they are the parents of... Four children. Four children, William, Anya, Cohen, and Abby. Pauline, we're so glad you're with us. So happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. You're so precious. <laughs> Mr. Renner, thank you for being here. Thank you, and thank you all for joining, too. This is truly our home group, the time that we spend together, us, here in the studio, and you, we're together. And if you join the home group regularly, please let us know in the comments section. We like to read your comments because we feel closer to you when we get to read the comments and get some feedback from you. So please write us in the comment section. And I really read all the comments. First thing I do every morning after I get my cup of coffee and my Bible, I go online, I read everything that you write. So please, when you write something, know that my eyes really are going to see it means a lot to me to know what you have to say. But Denise, welcome to Home Group. Thank you, Rick, and Home Group, welcome. And I personally am so glad to be on the Home Group with another female. Well. <laughs> and also well. one that I love so much, Pauline. <laughs> Thank you, Mom. Thank you for being with us. But this week in Home Group, we're discussing <clears throat> the works of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit, which was is what I'm teaching in the regular TV program. It is line on line from Galatians chapter 6, verse by verse, about what the Apostle Paul said about the works of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit. But the subtitle says, you choose. And it really is a choice. Death permeated works or supernatural life giving fruit. And guys, this series turned out so good. I don't know if anybody's going to enjoy it more than I did. It is just rich with insights from the Word of God about how to choose to shift out of the flesh into the spirit. And it really is a choice. That's why it says you choose. But anyway, it comes with a study guide. And Paul, what do you have there? I have Sparkling Gems number one and Sparkling Gems number two. These books are huge and they may seem a little daunting to get up and read, but it's actually not so difficult because there's one chapter for every day, meaning two, sometimes four pages per a day. Maybe, maybe six pages a day. Oh, that, mostly, was, that would be pretty big, Paul. Mostly it's two pages a day. Now, of course, I've been doing a daily devotional in Russian. So I think because the Russian language is bigger, yeah. I think the Russian version is a little bit bigger than the English version. You know what? The Russian translation usually adds 15 to 20%. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. I have been enjoying Sparkling Gems number one a lot because I've been using it for the daily devotional that I do for our Russian-speaking auditorium. But Sparkling Gems number two is just as good. And if you want the first, or if you have the first and you don't have the sec, go to renner.org. If you have the second and you don't have the first, you guess what you need to do? You need to go to renner.org to get the one you're missing. And if you've already finished one, time to start the other. Well, I want you to open your Bible to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to review what we covered last night, and then we're going to move right into the works of the flesh. What does the Bible mean when it talks about the works of the flesh? And today, I'm going to tell you a true life story that is pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing, but it will really demonstrate the works of the flesh. But open your Bibles, guys, 
And let's go to Galatians 5, and I want us to begin again in verse 15. And we're going to review these because it's really foundational to everything we're talking about. But it says, if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another, verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, verse 17. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these two, the Spirit and the flesh, and by the way, in these verses, the word Spirit is not referring to the Holy Spirit. It's referring to your human spirit. This is a battle between which part of you is going to be in control. Well, you are a spirit. That's who you are. You live in a body. And the soul is what decides which part of you is going to dominate you. I want you to understand this. You are a spirit. You live in a body. And laying right in the middle of them, there is a soul. And the soul makes all the choices. And you can choose to walk in the spirit, or you can choose to get out of the spirit and walk in the flesh, but it's all a choice. And that's what Paul's talking about here. It's a battle between which part of you is going to dominate. Now your spirit is indwelled by the Holy Spirit. And when you choose to walk in the spirit, the spirit of God who is in you, he's going to produce marvelous things in your spirit. But there's a battle between these two realms. And you already knew that without me telling you. But look at it again, verse 17. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other, so you cannot do the things that you would. And just go ahead and jump to verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Here's the works of the flesh. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. That's a big King James word. I'm going to tell you what it means in the next program. Then it says idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations. What in the world is emulations? Then it goes on to say wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, inverts, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, hold on. Does that mean that if you mess up one time, you're not going to go to heaven? Doesn't mean that. I'm going to show you what it means. But look at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit. So notice that the flesh produces work, and it's a pretty ugly list of works. But the Spirit produces fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. But today we're going to go back, and we're going to begin again in verse 15. Are you guys ready? Ready, yes. All right, Galatians 5, 15. So he's talking about what the flesh does if you just let it have its way. And you know what, guys? The work of the flesh always shows up in relationships. Mm. When you walk in the flesh, it's destructive to marriage. It's destructive between the relationships of siblings. They fight with each other. And it starts very early in life. I mean, the flesh wants to be in control very early. That's why babies throw a plate of spaghetti across the room. You look at that little child and think, how could anything that looks so innocent be so ugly? Because that's flesh. Or you get your kids in the car to take them to school in the morning, and there's an all-out war about who's going to sit by the door and who's going to sit in the middle, and you just cannot believe anything so ridiculous could take place. But you know what? Children grow up to be adults, and adults get really ugly. They're just grown-up kids behaving just like they did when they were younger. 
because nobody ever taught them that they can shift out of the flesh and learn to walk in the Spirit. It's a choice, and you have to make that choice. That if you choose to stay in the flesh, here's what's going to happen to your relationships. Galatians 5.15, if you bite and devour one another. And that word bite, again, the Greek word dakno means to bite with teeth or to wound with words. Every time I say bite with teeth, Denise, I shared this last night, I see the picture of that child in the nursery when one day we picked up one of our kids, and I can't remember which child it was, but I think I know, and they bit another child five times. I remember thinking, how could a nursery worker be so unattentive that a child would have the ability to bite another child five <laughs> times. And we could see the bite marks on that other child that our son put on him. Well, this was talking about biting each other with your words. And when you bite people, it's painful. It's hurtful in a conversation. And usually when the biting begins, then it goes to the next step, which is devour. Devour one another. The Greek word, which means to gulp down. You don't just bite them, you swallow them whole. The flesh does not know when to put on the brakes. It doesn't know when to stop. It just keeps pounding and pounding and biting and biting until that other person feels like they have just been consumed. That's what the flesh does. And then he says, take heed. The word take heed in Greek, the word blepo, which means listen, learn. He's trying to jar them and jolt them. Hey, guys, this is destructive. Take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. That's where it goes. Then he says in verse 16, This I say then, and I told you last night, and I told you guys, the Greek says lego day. The word lego is very, very strong. This is not a suggestion. He's raising his voice. And you know what? Sometimes when people are in the flesh, you've got to really raise your voice before they can even hear you. Have you ever been trying, for example, to speak to one of your children and they were just running at the mouth and you had to say, I'm speaking to you. You have to raise your voice. Now, Paul's lifting his voice to people that are in the flesh. Hey, hey, I'm trying to tell you something. Lego, I'm telling you something. Then in Greek, it adds the word day. The word day is an exclamation marker. I'm telling you emphatically. I'm telling you categorically, listen to me. This I say then, and he offers them an alternative. And he says, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And we saw yesterday that the word walk is the word peripatel. Okay, let's see how well we learned. What does peri mean? Around. Paul, Denise? Around. Around. What does patel mean? Means to walk and... If you open Sparkling Gems number one, okay. and go to July 13th, you may see that it appears in the New Testament 95 times. The word walk. Yes. Very good, Mr. Runner. <laughs> but what does it really mean, Patel? What does it mean to walk? To stroll. It's a, it's a place that you are familiar with. In other words, you can walk in the Spirit so much that it becomes the place where you live. It means to walk around habitually. And that's why some newer translations no longer translate it, walk in the Spirit. They translate it, live, live in the Spirit. Isn't that amazing? We can live in the Spirit. Denise, why did nobody tell us that when we were growing up? We can live in that realm. Not hope that we hit it once in a while, but rather it should be the exception 
when we get in the flesh because we live in the Spirit. That's God's plan. Live in the Spirit, and then Paul adds, and you shall not. The Greek says, ou may. Ou means no. The word may means not. You will not in no wise. It's a double negative. You will not, no, never. It's a picture of you pulling the cord out of the electrical socket in the wall so you kill the power to whatever is operating. And when you walk in the Spirit, you pull the plug on the flesh. These two parts of you can't rule simultaneously. Just one part of you is going to be calling the shots. And you're the one that makes the choice. So you have the Spirit. You have the flesh. You have the soul laying in the middle, which makes the choice. And he says, this I say then, if you choose to shift up and move in the spirit realm, you will pull the plug on the flesh. You will not in no wise, he says, fulfill the desires of the flesh. That's really important because that word desire tells us the flesh by itself has a mind of its own. And in fact, if you read what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, he says the flesh has a mind and the flesh has desires. And if you let your flesh have its way, it will boss you around. It has its own mind. It will manifest all of its ugly desires, which are destructive in every area of your life. You'll be lazy. You'll be fat. You'll be unfit. You'll have bad relationships because that's where the flesh will take you. It has a mind of its own. It'll boss you around. It has its own mind. It has its own flesh. That is exactly what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1, 2, and 3. You have to pull the plug on that. But he says, if you walk in the Spirit, you shall not in no wise, no, not, never fulfill, gratify, bring to fulfillment, satisfy the lust of the flesh. <clears throat> the word flesh, the Greek word sarkos, which means flesh, carnal nature or fleshly instincts. Hankerings, hankerings. You know, all of us have different issues with flesh. Some people's flesh wants to lead you into bitterness. Mm -hmm. Some people's flesh gravitates easily into being offended. Some people's flesh gravitates toward the refrigerator and the kitchen to eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. It's not that your hunger doesn't have anything to do with hunger. It's just the flesh. The flesh always gravitates toward destruction. That is just the truth. And by the way, sometimes the flesh gets crazy about discipline. You can nearly kill yourself with discipline. The flesh always is an, an extreme. You have to understand that. And then he, the Galatians 5.16, I gave you last night. I'm going to give it to you again. The RIV says, Make the path of the Spirit the place where you habitually live and walk. Become so comfortable on the spiritual path that you learn to leisurely and peacefully stroll along in that realm. Living your life in the spirit realm is the best way to guarantee, there's the Greek ume, to guarantee that you will not allow the yearnings of your flesh, that's the Greek word epithumia, translated lust, to creep out and to lay or fulfill themselves. And then Paul adds in verse 17 that a battle is taking place over which part of you is going to be in charge. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Well, the Greek actually says, for the flesh lusts against the things of the spirit. And it's talking about the human spirit. Again, the issue here is which part of you is going to be in control, either your spirit or your flesh. And you're the one that chooses with your soul. 
And he says, the flesh is against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and the word against, used twice, is the Greek word kata, which here describes something coming down, word to be against. It means to dominate, to conquer, or to squash. This tells you how intense is the battle between these two realms. Your flesh does not want to lose control. It does not. This is why when you become a child of God, you've got to learn to walk in the Spirit because your flesh has dominated you for all those years. If you didn't get saved till you were 25, you were flesh dominated for 25 years. Now you're saved. You try to walk in the Spirit. Your flesh is going to say, wait, 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 wait. I'm not getting off this throne. I've dominated this life for 25 years and your flesh will launch an all-out attack to squash the work of the Spirit. But the greater one lives in you, in your spirit, and you can squash the work of the flesh. And that's why Paul goes on to say, the flesh lusteth against, trying to squash the Spirit, and the Spirit cata, trying to squash the work of the flesh. And these are contrary one to another, the Greek word, antikamai. Contrary, they are set in opposition to each other. They are strategically opposed to each other. It means to take a stand against, to completely be unreconcilable, like two enemies on opposite sides of a war. It is an all-out war. And then when you come to verse 19, Paul's going to tell you what's going to happen to your life, to your body, to your health, to your finances, to everything in your life if you choose to take the low road. Mm -hmm. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. Well, the word works is the Greek word erga. The word flesh, again, the Greek word sarkos, the base fleshly nature produces erga. It produces work. And this word work, the Greek word erga, listen, signifies some kind of action, deed, or activity, the activities of the flesh, that would be a good translation. Very often it referred to a person's occupation, to his labor, or to the things produced by his effort in life. It describes a person's line of work, his career, his labor, or his profession. It denotes the results of hard work, which means if you let the flesh have its way, it will produce a particular thing. Just like if you work in a profession, you have a goal of your work. If you let your flesh have its way, the goal has an objective. The flesh has an objective, and it's to produce work. Now, I'm going to tell you a story. By the way, as I tell you the story, I want to tell you that we just received in our Tulsa office our autobiography, and this week they're mailing it out. Wonderful. Mm. This book is filled with stories that are riveting, and they're every one of them the truth. It's amazing, isn't it? If you haven't ordered your copy of Unlikely, please do. But years ago, when we lived in Riga, Latvia, we had some really famous people, preachers, come see us, and we were going to hold a very big convention. And a couple of them wanted to go out to the outer district of Riga, where the Latvian Holocaust took place to see where all the Jews were buried in mass graves. So we went out there. It's quite an interesting visit there to those mass graves. There's 55 pits filled with thousands upon thousands of Jews 
that were executed in the Latvian Holocaust. Well, we're driving back into Riga, and we were in a rented van. I'm so thankful it was not our driver and was not our car. The driver's sitting here. I'm sitting in the right-hand side of the passenger seat in the, in the front of the van, and behind me are these famous, world-famous preachers. We're driving along back into town, and suddenly something happens. I see a man to the right dash in front of our car. Now we're driving at a regular speed, and I see this man dash, and bam! We hit that man. To this day, I can still hear the thud of our car hitting that man. It knocked him over into the next side of the road where the oncoming traffic was coming. We put on the brakes and watched as five cars rolled over that man. I saw his body flopping under those cars. I thought, oh my lands, I cannot believe that this has happened. And our car started it. We hit the man. Well, my first thought was, I have world-famous preachers in the back of my car. We have just hit a man. I've got to get him out of here before the news tries to write a story that world-famous preachers have killed a man. So I put him in a taxi, sent them to their hotel, and I went across the street, and there was a policeman standing there who was already directing traffic that day. And I said, sir, can I please go and pray for this man? He laughed at me. He said, what for? He's dead. I said, sir, may I please go and check on this man? And when I got down and looked in this man's face, he looked like he was 75 years old. The smell of alcohol, his face covered with deep, deep lines. He had on a neck brace. And the truth is, he committed suicide. He jumped in front of a car to kill him, and he chose our car. Well, he was alive. He was alive. Barely breathing, every bone in his body was broken, but he died later. And when the police came to interview me later to find out exactly what happened that day, and nobody was charged with a crime because the man committed suicide with our car. They said, well, we want to talk to you. Are you ready for this? We want to talk to you about the 25-year-old man that your car hit. I said, what? I said, how old was he? They said he was 25 years old. I am telling you, I thought that man was at least 75 years old. His face was so covered with crevices. They weren't wrinkles. The smell of alcohol. He was 25 years old. I could hardly hear anything else the police said when I heard that he was 25 years old and I thought that he was 75. And I remember sitting there thinking, that man lived a bad life. And my mind went to Galatians chapter 5, now the works of the flesh. If you let the flesh have its way, it will make your life disastrous. It'll make a young person old. It'll make a happy person bitter, an infit, a fit person unfit. The flesh will just drive you to an extreme because that's what flesh does. And what flesh produces its occupation is to make your life really bad. And that's why you should not walk in the flesh 
And Paul says, you don't have to. This I say then categorically, emphatically, you don't have to do that. You can choose with your soul to move over into the realm of the Spirit. But because Paul wants us to understand what the flesh really produces, if you just open the door and say, okay, flesh, do what you want to do, he now begins to go through the works that the flesh produces. And that's what we're going to start covering tomorrow. It's going to be magnificent. Any comments? It's true. Paul? Thank you for sharing that story. Well, that was a hard one. Anyway, by the way, be sure to order Unlikely. It's available. They're mailing them out right now. So if you haven't ordered yours, order yours. We'll get it right to you as soon as we can. But Father, we thank you that we can choose to walk in the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.